Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This is Johnny Gould's Jewish State. Jeremy Corbyn is reinstated to the Labour Party after just 19 days. 19 days. Sir Keir Starmer, his successor as Labour leader, hasn't restored the parliamentary whip, which means Corbyn can't call himself a Labour MP, neither can he stand as a Labour election candidate. But even this is subject to wobble, as Sir Keir has promised he will keep this situation under review. Today's guests are two of the most visible fighters against Labour anti-Semitism, Ewan Phillips and Emma Picking, all the more courageous and brave because they've stayed in Labour specifically to fight for its soul. This is a fight Starman needs to win. The readmittance of party membership after 19 days is frankly astonishing. I mean, a case of this importance to be dealt with in that time just absolutely stinks of everything that the EHRC said was wrong with the party. I was just gobsmacked. Um, The decision not to restore the whip is obviously the correct one and does go some way to limit the damage. But sadly, yet again, the Jewish community faced uncertainty and fear over the behaviour of the Labour Party. How can this be the actions of the supposed anti-racist party? A huge undermining of Keir Starmer's authority. Uh, He uh, made a big show when the EHRC report was published about how he would personally oversee the process of tackling anti-Semitism. And, I mean, basically, his, the suspension of Jeremy Corbyn lasted 19 days and outmaneuvered by senior people who were supporters of Jeremy Corbyn. You may not know too much about the remarkable Labour Against Anti-Semitism because, for reasons you can ponder, they don't get asked to appear very much on mainstream news outlets. The BBC and Sky have their media darlings for this story that won't go away. They choose Corbyn Outriders, Owen Jones, Ash Sarker and Jewish Voice for Labour, a Corbyn-supporting group who claim anti-Semitism is a smear and that it's overplayed, that it's an orchestrated campaign by Zionists against a socialist-leaning Labour. That mainstream news chooses the likes of Jenny Manson over my two guests today shows they don't understand the issue, or worse, they don't care. I mean, if I was producing BBC Newsnight and I wanted its flagship status to actually amount to something, I'd want the credibility of non-Jewish Labour members at the chalk face who are fighting this to talk this through, right? Not Manson or Naomi Wimborne Idrissi and the like. The EHRC has said that the, the, the process for tackling anti-Semitism in the Labour Party basically wasn't fit for purpose and as a consequence of those four years of mismanagement there are racist members of the Labour Party who are attending meetings and are in a position to, to abuse Jewish members and obviously we don't think that's acceptable. We want Jewish members to be able to return to the Labour Party, engage in their local branch meetings and you know while there are people with with frankly abhorrent anti-Jewish views, you know, that there are obviously lots of people who who won't be able to do that. So 
Keir Starmer needs to, to, to basically get a grip, take on the, the sort of hard left who are resisting his efforts to, to, to reform the party, and, and he, he needs to accept the situation that he's in and, and, and fight back, um, otherwise he's not really going to have a Labour Party to lead. LAAS is a group of 70 people who on social media daily expose the anti-Jewish racist rot accumulating in Labour since Jeremy Corbyn was elected leader. In his article entitled The Labour Party are playing a very dangerous game, anti-Semitism campaigner and prolific writer on Israel and Zionism David Collier writes, that man has no place in any mainstream political party and the Labour Party should want his toxic followers as far away from their constituency Labour Party as possible. From a justice-seeking ethical position, the suspension stroke expulsion of Jeremy Corbyn was a no-brainer. Instead, he's back in the party. I think most people don't understand how dangerous the current situation is. We cannot empower their anti-Semites, which is why what the Labour Party did with Corbyn is so unforgivable. Sir Keir Starmer appears only to worry about how Labour looks rather than dealing with the anti-Semitism problem that his party created. And once they're no longer Labour members, they don't seem to care anymore. To them, it doesn't matter that they are morally responsible for creating the monster in the first place, adds David. So here are two of Labour's leading dissenters against anti-Jewish hate, and once again, with my gratitude and from countless others, here's Emma Pickin and Ewan Phillips. This is Johnny Gould's Jewish State. For those who listen. For those who are willing to listen. Hello, Johnny. Hi, Johnny. Good to Ed, see you. Ewan, it's, uh, it's an unusual uh, honour. Uh, not many people have come back to the podcast twice. Yeah, very, very glad and very happy to be appearing again. Because the world looks quite different. In the last episode, you said, I want to see people getting out to fight, confronting people in the studios of the BBC, of Sky, of ITN, to deal with the scourge of anti-Semitism. And now, at the end of this, Vindication, the Equality and Human Rights Commission, have torn a strip of the era of Jeremy Corbyn. And we are, we're not exactly post-Corbyn. The HRC report was devastating for the Labour Party, uh, concluded that they had committed three unlawful acts and the range of recommendations which the Labour Party and Keir Starmer are now legally obliged to to adopt are, are really quite significant uh, and are literally going to change the, the, the composition of the Labour Party forever, really. Uh, he's got six weeks to put those into place um, and we hope that he does so as quickly as possible. Because, Emma, this is a key moment for Starmer to... Because he's been a bit reticent. I suppose he was waiting for the report to be submitted, but uh, he hasn't half gone about his business quickly by setting, I think, a bear trap for Jeremy Corbyn, this belligerence from the old man, uh, to basically to blame everyone else. So he is still not gone, and there is now a fight on his hands, and this is a fight that he has to win for the Jewish community and for the soul of the Labour Party. It's annoying, isn't it, Ewan, because the EHRC report should have been the broom to, you know, re-sweep a Labour Party, to reset it. But actually, it's about the old man, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, Jeremy Corbyn has uh, basically you know, made it all about himself and it just shows his lack of political judgment that he can't see 
you know how 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 appalling it is that he's done this, and he's really just more than anything, it's just underlined why the HRC report was necessary in the first place. What Jamie Cor- Corbyn should have done was hold his hands up, uh, accept the findings of the HRC report in full, uh, and offered his full support to Keir Starmer to make sure that the recommendations were were properly implemented in the time available. Instead, he's, he's basically done what what was characteristic of his leadership period, which is to dismiss the concerns of the Jewish community out of hand. He's done it in a fairly sneering way, which is, you know, which is pretty offensive. And, you know, like with Emma, I hope that Keir Starmer is able to execute the situation in which he's found himself and get Jeremy Corbyn, you know, expelled from the Labour Party. Because, you know, I don't think... A Labour Party which is fully committed to zero tolerance on anti-Semitism uh, is a Labour Party which Jeremy Corbyn should be a member of. We've seen this before, haven't we? With Neil Kinnock dealing with the left. And of course, he couldn't win the election against Thatcher. Uh, and it was bequeathed to John Smith. Tragically, he died. And then Tony Blair got the opportunity to become the Prime Minister. But it took the yes. sort of three leaders to do that. And here we are again... What, 20 years later and there's, and there's still a Tory government and they've been in power for a long time now? Um, my feeling is that Tony Blair never really dealt with the left of the party and I don't think he ever thought he would have to. And this is the legacy of that. The fact that people like Jeremy Corbyn were still allowed in the party. Any academic study of anti-Semitism on the left could have predicted the rise of what was, and did predict, you know, if you read David Hirsch, um, Dave Rich, they, people were aware that this swelling of anti-Semitism was happening within the party and they didn't do anything about it. And my hope is that Keir Starmer will reach out and talk to all the academics and will understand that this, to eradicate the anti-Semitism in the Labour Party and to make sure that this situation you know, to be found guilty by the EHRC is unprecedented. Yeah. And my hope is that Keir Summer will look at the trajectory of how this happened, the roots at which it came into the party. And it didn't just start with Jeremy Corbyn becoming elected leader and suddenly, oh, what a surprise, we've got an anti-Semite running the Labour Party. This is something that other people predicted. And my hope is that Keir Starmer takes this opportunity to make sure that the Labour Party can never play host to being led by an anti-Semite ever again. Corbyn's reaction to the HRC report is the reaction of an anti-Semite. Are you playing catch-up with Johnny Gould's Jewish State? I've had the pleasure of some really great guests. How about Douglas Murray? Israel is a rare country in the West uh, in that it does buck many of the trends. I mean, there, isn't a, there isn't a fertility rate problem in, in Israel, um, for instance, as there, there is in, in most European countries. There is a strong feeling of nationhood and of the debts that the country needs to call upon in order to unite its people. And Hillel Neuer, whose UN watch keeps check on the excesses and mission creep of the UN human rights in Geneva. The challenges are great. They're not going away. I am concerned by the cultural revolution that we've experienced in America in the past five years, the known to some of the woke revolution, where there's a kind of a McCarthyism. If you say something, it could be cancelled and fired 
from your university, from your corporation, uh, from a journalist, and often it's uh, it's an anti-liberalism. So that that to be honest really really scares me because we need our democracies to be healthy, to be honest, to be to be truth tellers. And so I am deeply concerned. If you like Johnny's regular podcasts, think about making a donation at either patreon.com slash Johnny Gould or buy him a coffee. He loves coffee. ko-fi.com slash Johnny Gould. Because, of course, anti-Semitism will never quite be eradicated from society, so it needs to be housed somewhere, and it needs to be pushed back onto the fringes. And when David Duke and David Icke and Nick Griffin Mm -hmm. think Corbyn's a good lad and they're going to vote Labour at the next general election, uh, we should give them another party. We're never going to eradicate these people. So uh, they're going to have to set up uh, a party... Uh, I don't know, the Socialism of Fools Party. You know, what's a good name for them? They've got to go somewhere, haven't they? The split is inevitable. That's fine. And, you know, there are plenty of uh, fringe uh, political organisations that they can, you know, shuffle off to and and languish in a dark corner uh, to their heart's content. You know, Socialist Workers' Party, uh, you know, various other, you know... Chris Williamson's... um, Chris Williamson's new... Racket, um, but he's dangerous. I mean, he doesn't even pretend not to be what looks like with the fist and yeah. the football club badge. I'm not going to mention the badge because it's a shame. Shame for the the club's got nothing to do with them. They look like they look like bona fide fascists. They are fringe organisations. What the threat was over the last four years was that anti-Jewish racism, you know, was was being mainstreamed within you know one of the two possible parties of government. Yeah, because of the the nature of of our democratic uh, system in the UK, it's always either going to be the Labour Party or the Conservative Party. And it was simply, for me me and and for Emma and and, and others, it was simply unthinkable that one of those parties could be institutionally racist, institutionally anti-Semitic. And so that's why these people whose whose values are anti-democratic, their values that, that are... Are rooted in a in a in a worldview which is which would be completely at odds with a democratic party like the Labour Party, and they just simply have no place there. And we can't, as 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 Labour Party members, and as a as a potential party of government, we just can't let these people play a role in in the party organisation. They they just don't belong. So it was a very good day, the EHRC report coming out, and you guys submitted 15,000 pages of evidence. It covered councillors, actual chair people of constituency Labour parties, and even Jeremy Corbyn. And you stayed in the party deliberately to fight. I mean, you're right in there as it was unfolding. You must have lost a lot of friends. Um. I've lost people who I no longer want to be friends with. No, I don't want to be friends with them, no. Because, you know, if if you're a person who doesn't want to stand against anti-Semitism or, you know, then A, you're not somebody I want to be friends with and B, you're um, not an anti-racist if you don't care about anti-Semitism. Yeah. Um, I, I stayed in the party because 
I knew that I'm not, I'm not an MP. If I'd have been an MP, I would have resigned. But as an activist for Labour against anti-Semitism, it was far more um, important. You know, I had a bigger voice staying in the party than I would have done leaving. It would have done nothing but delight Jenny Formby if I'd have left the party. And obviously my aim wasn't to delight Jenny Formby. It was to make... At any point, they could have tried to expel me. Um, you know, I had a letter from compliance for a minor... What would be considered a minor infringement on Twitter. And considering the nature of the people I was reporting that were getting let off, it was so... It made it clear to me how twisted the compliance procedure was. And so I kind of... I, I wanted to stay there, just almost to dare them to chuck me out. You know, and it made, it meant that other people could see the voice of my, myself and Ewan and others who were taking a stand and could see what we, what we were saying and what we were doing and the fact that we weren't getting expelled. And it kind of gave people a bit more courage to, to stand out. That, you know, I've had that said to me. They said, well, I could see what you were doing. And I thought, well, actually, I can, I can say something because, you know, they're, they're still in the party and they're saying something. So that, that was partly my reason. And it was also to almost as a as a combative thing with you know at one point it just felt like right chuck me out if you dare mm-hmm. well you know you're very understated there i mean there's, there's a lot of heroics in what you said there i mean you, basically well if i can stay in boldens other people say because of course they wouldn't have said it without you you didn't have to do this guys you uh, i know that you have a moral drive to do it and uh, you'd be uh, you know lying to yourselves in not doing it but even so you know, there aren't many of you, and there was a torrent of uh, people against you. Staying silent, actually. Yeah. I while mean, you spoke out. I mean, I think I think the, the, the most notable sort of um, shift in the attitudes of a lot of Labour members and, and people who'd been you know, initially very supportive of Labour against anti-Semitism was after Corbyn and Labour performed particularly well. Uh, I mean, they didn't win, but they did perform better than expected in 2017. Um, there was suddenly quite a notable shift where people who had been previously critical of Jeremy Corbyn because they felt he was an electoral disaster um, and, and, you, and, and mentioned anti-Semitism as part of their complaint, suddenly, suddenly quietened down about that. You know, there was that, that thing of like, well, maybe, if, maybe you know, Corbyn could get us into government, you know, get the Labour Party into government. And I think that was actually quite, quite notable and sort of quite... Um, hurtful. Hurtful. Pretty despicable, really. How, how how quickly people were able to and frightening to this Britain as well. Yeah, and frightening. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. absolutely frightening um, that you saw that tribal loyalty. I mean, you know, in, in terms of in terms of it being you know the, the right thing or the wrong thing to do, you know, we all know the historical precedent or various historical precedents of when racism becomes embedded within a political project. And you know, obviously, you know, there's no there's no direct link from from one point to an end point. But it was just it was just obvious that, that allowing a political party to become institutionally anti Semitic was only ever gonna to lead to a really, really dark and dangerous place. So it was obvious it just it was just obvious it just had to be combated and it was just so it was just so wrong and so obvious what was going on that it was it Nothing was... nothing good ever comes from having an anti Semitic government. No. Historically no. this has been proven. We didn't just fight this for the Jewish community. We fought this for everyone, yes. for the country. Yes. You know, you can't have an institutionally anti-Semitic government no. 
I've never known, I mean, if someone could name me where, where it's been great for the country, I mean, it didn't work out very well. No, it's, it's generally a conventional wisdom in history that um, a country that it's, uh, that's uh, beneficent to its Jews is a, is a country that uh, prospers. Indeed, in, uh, in the Torah, it says that uh, you should pray for the welfare of the city of your exile, because if you do that... Uh, you will prosper, and so will the people around you. Oh, I didn't know that. So that is uh, that is why that is the rock of the synagogue service. It's why we pray for the royal family, and for the queen and all her counsellors, uh, that they shall seek the welfare of the nation, and deal kindly and truly with all Israel. And what it means by all Israel is obviously it was written before 1948. This old prayer. <laughs> it means the house of Israel. It means yeah. every Jew in the world, basically. Um, so there's a kind of there's a prayer for the uh, you know we basically uh, we we want to shout come on England yeah. when uh, when we're yeah. watching the football or whatever whatever country we're uh, we're back in England mine um, <laughs> now listen here so this is a key one Starmer yeah. uh, he has to stave off a civil war and also not to cut off the funding of a major benefactor that man being Len McCluskey chief of the Unite and a Corbyn flag waver and a, and a Palestinian lanyard waver while we're at it. Um, how's this going to end? You know, let's not forget, Keir Starmer was pretty happy being on uh, Jeremy Corbyn's shadow cabinet and for his various protestations did defend Jeremy Corbyn against accusations of anti-Semitism while he was on his shadow cabinet. But he is in this position. He is facing a civil war within Labour Party. When I mean, you mentioned Neil Kinnock... I mean, Neil Kinnock didn't lose the election because he had a fight with Millicent. He lost it because he was Neil Kinnock. Mm. But the fight with Millicent was actually really beneficial for the Labour Party. It, it worked. It actually was the actually bedrock did. of Tony Blair's years, wasn't it? Absolutely. Because I think, I think what a lot of Labour Party members don't seem to realise is that the British electorate, you know, they, they, they don't like political extremists. And they don't, li- they, they don't like a Labour Party that is being riven by uh, ideologues. Yes. And so Keir Starmer, you know, really should sort of embrace this war and use it to, to you know, re-establish the Labour Party as a fully democratic organisation that, you know, isn't influenced by a sort of hard left uh, fringe, really sort of establish a zero tolerance approach to anti-Semitism, because that will really, you know, transform his party into something which is, once again, a viable party of government. I think the election of Keir Starmer as Labour leader was the first time in a long time, that unite... I mean, their choice of Rebecca Long-Bailey and Richard Bergen, they got nowhere. And so this was the first time that they really lost their grip over who ran the Labour Party Mm. for... I mean, Mm. I don't know. You probably know more historically. But um, the other thing is that he keeps threatening the finances. And what... the, The thing that will be in Keir Starmer's favour is that, A, Unite are not the biggest union anymore... And also that the private donors are coming back and they are coming back to the party. So basically he can have... My personal feeling is that he needs to face down Len McCluskey. Len McCluskey has been one of the people involved in the party that played a big role in why the anti-Semitism crisis got so bad. Um, Whether, you know, I'm not sure what his motivations were, why he, you know decided that this was going to be a hill that Unite, which is a union that's supposed to represent workers, why he decided to spend a lot of their money on defending people like Squawk Box or 
you know, this is not really anything that if I was a worker and you know, and Lem McCluskey was running my union and was sticking his neck out and threatening the Labour Party over anti-Semitism, over the fact it wants to fight anti-Semitism, I would be wondering what the hell is going on in this man's head. So my thing is, I just think Keir Starmer needs to face down finally Lem McCluskey and see him out the door. He should do it. Now, uh, Lord Treesman and Lord Turnberg made the pretty instant decision to rejoin the Labour Party. <laughs> uh, Lord Birkenhead, Frank Field, he's not, nor is uh, Lord Sugar. So is Labour a safe space for Jewish people? If you are a Jewish person who's been in the Labour Party and you, you left like Luciana, is it time for Luciana to bury the hatchet and... <laughs> Come back into the party she loves. I can, I can think of a place where Luciana Berger might want to bury a hatchet, but uh, <laughs> I won't say any more than that. Look, I mean, obviously, yeah, I'm not going to speak on behalf of Jewish members. It's for each each former Labour Labour member to decide whether or not they think it's safe enough for them to come back. I think from Labour against anti-Semitism's point of view, we know that we reported a lot of a lot of Labour Party members with really disgusting anti-Semitic views. And over the course of four or five years, like those people weren't kicked out of the party. Like because of mismanagement of Labour's disciplinary process, those people, there were people going to CLP meetings who were who were councillors, who were even MPs, whose views you know, should should mean that they should have been expelled to the uh, from the party, and and they weren't. And so I think what we asked Keir Starmer to do is to go back, have a look at all of those cases and have a full review of each of those cases. Because, you know, unless those people are actually kicked out, I wouldn't recommend anyone be joining the Labour Party until that was sorted. Um, because, you, you know, I, I don't want to walk into a CLP meeting with, you know, and be faced, down, faced with a Holocaust denier who yeah. I reported three years ago. Yeah. You know, it's just completely unacceptable. Yeah, I mean, that is the acid test, isn't it? The, the idea that you're going to have to convene with people who uh, have extreme and very nasty... We can't have that in a party. I mean, that is that is the bottom line for sort of any decent person, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I on the question of whether people should rejoin or not, I, like you and I think that that's a di- that's a deeply personal choice, and I think people will rejoin or won't rejoin. I mean, you know, as as and when they feel that that their personal condition. I, it's not for Jews to kind of exonerate the Labour Party. It's for the Labour Party needs to do you know do a lot more apologizing before it's ever considered you know i think that there was a certain pressure on the jewish community to say or oh, come and rejoin and help us resolve this situation but actually it's not that that felt always to me the wrong way round it should be the labor party saying we will sort this situation out to make you feel comfortable not kind of you need to come back to help us kick out yeah. all the races, you know. Um, I mean, there has been a change of tone from the leadership. Oh, yeah. Starmer is not Jeremy Corbyn. I mean, you know, so I, so I can understand why why you know that those two laws that you mentioned, you know, felt it, it, you know, felt they were able to rejoin the Labour Party. You know, there had been apologies. Keir Starmer had had changed the tone and, and and been much more welcoming. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I think I think equally at the same time, I can understand why Lord Sugar wants to stay away. You know, there needs to be evidence of tangible a- actions. Yeah. The HRC report uh, guarantees that there will be those actions, but obviously there's still a long way to go before you know before the, the Labour Party is is fit for purpose. Really, he, there is a bit of a design fault 
in uh, Keir Starmer, which is, of course, he was a Corbyn shadow cabinet minister and openly, actively campaigned for a Corbyn government and paid tribute to him long after Corbyn's political body had gone cold and said, what a great guy he is, etc., etc. Yep, he came to our synagogue. I was there uh, the uh, the Shabbat directly after the side of our synagogue was daubed with a hard left symbol of um, anti-Semitism. And he he is also our MP for the synagogue as well. Uh, but he, he came there unannounced and, you know, he wasn't invited. He was welcome. Uh, and he came in and showed some solidarity. People clapped him. And uh, there you go. You know, blimey, a bit previous. But uh, how do you consolidate his support for Corbyn when the going was good to now? Oh, no, he's, he's, he's toast, that old fella. That's a design flaw. It's a diff- it is a difficult one because... You know, I mean, I think, I think I, I would always err on the side of political pragmatism. There's not really such a thing as principle in modern politics. You have to, you know, play the game to get to the top, etc., etc. When you can make real change, and I understand that for things like policy, etc., etc. But equally, anti-Semitism was something a little bit. It was obviously a lot more serious than that. So, yeah, there is a there is a much more serious sort of moral question over over the way that Keir Starmer. You know, normalised Corbyn. It wasn't just that he defended him. You know, you look at the Labour Party. Oh, Corbyn can't be that bad because Keir Starmer's there yeah. as, in his shadow cabinet, yeah. and the same with other shadow cabinet members. So he, I think he does need to sort of be aware of that that role. Equally, at the same time, obviously, he wouldn't be the leader now if he hadn't had that position. Um, right. And he might not How be in actually... a position to. He might not. He, you know, we might not have someone in that role who's, who's going to be able to reform the party. He basically said, I was on the record as saying this, that and the other about anti-Semitism. I remember very specifically an Andrew Marr interview during the IHRA crisis where Corbyn wanted to change a few of the examples to say, well, you know, if we can't find a way through the IHRA definition, we need to find a way of actually getting it signed. Uh, Nevertheless, like you say, he was a symbol of the normalisation of Corbyn. You know, he will know that people think this, especially within the Jewish community. He will know that people think, well, hang on, you know, you'd, and I'm hoping that it gives him a bit of a drive to actually be a bit tougher than if he had been somebody who hadn't been so close to Corbyn that had taken mm. over as leader. I'm hoping it, a little bit of guilt kicks in. Redcar, Sedgefield, North Nottinghamshire, Wakefield, loads of places, Workington, Kensington. Oh, Tory. I don't, know why, I don't know why Kensington wasn't ever Tory. There you go. Uh, now, they, of course, were thoroughly defeated. Of course, one there is uh, Tony Blair's constituency. We had Lord Austin of Dudley telling everyone, it's a binary decision, folks. There's only going to be two leaders. So you've got to vote for Boris Johnson and the Conservative Party. You know, he's ended up in the House of Lords, which is the opposite of prison. Um, well done to Ian. What is the future of Labour? I mean, can Starmer actually win in 2024 or 2023 whenever Boris calls the election when COVID is that plague that happened three years ago? Well, I mean, that's a that's a really, really big question because I think, you know, while COVID is having such a massive impact on our economy and on our society, 
that even predicting what's going to happen in two or three years is 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 almost impossible. You look at the impact that COVID's having on the American presidential election. Yeah. Um, you know, later this week we'll find out exactly how serious that was, um, depending on who wins. But I mean, I I, I still am fairly uh, reluctant to 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 see Keir Starmer as winning the election twenty twenty four, given the scale of the Conservatives' win last December but who knows who knows what happens Keir Starmer still has an awful lot of work to do to uh, persuade that the British electorate the Labour Party has changed if he could do that then who knows but I don't know um, One thing I did note was that Labour did rise in the polls after Corbyn was suspended so although I would never be able to predict because politics moves so fast these days as well and people's tribal loyalties shift around you don't get the people who are I've voted for Labour all my life and and my parents and this and that so I'm only ever going to vote Labour people are much more fickle with their political allegiances but I will say that having suspended Corbyn it can only do the Labour Party good if they expel him and I hope they do what a way to end the interview thank you you and Phillips and Emma Pickin I just want to take this opportunity as I've done before and I'll do it again Thank you for everything you've done over the last four years, for being a Praetorian guard for the Jewish community. That's how it's felt for for many of us. Uh, yeah, uh, what you called concerns were uh, a decision for me to pack up. And this is someone who was born in Birmingham, whose dad was born in Birmingham, whose grandpa was born in Birmingham, and whose great-grandfather arrived in Birmingham as a child. So that is a very, very, that is weird shit for, for me. Yeah. Uh, so uh, for that to have been expunged and for that solution also to have come from Michael Gove and Boris Johnson who immediately drew a line under it was one of the first things they said after they were elected during Hanukkah Mm. uh, the days after an election I just want to thank all of you on the decent side of British (laughs) politics thank you very much Pleasure. Pleasure. Pleasure, Johnny. Thank you. Never miss another Johnny Gould's Jewish State. And be first to hear the next show by subscribing now. Follow Johnny Gould on Twitter and Johnny Gould Show on Facebook. And if you liked what you heard today, leave a rating or review. That really helps bring more listeners to the show.